Who's excited to be in the house of God today? Yeah! Boy, if you weren't before, you got to be now. After that, right? Boy, I am so honored and privileged and just humbled to be here and have an opportunity to share with you something that, you know, I mean, this is what it says here. Are you ready? I ask myself that all the time because I know God's got stuff in store for me. He's got things He's ready to do for me. He's waiting for me to find my place where He can show me the next step, where He can open up the next door, where He can move me to the place that He wants me to be. And that is a lifetime circumstance. We'll talk about that in a minute. Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He that began a good work in you, and I like to personalize things many times when I'm reading the scripture. So I'll say, he that began a good work in me. Say that with me. He that began a good work in me. See, the scripture and the word of God is all about being personal. It's about what God's doing for you. It's not about, though, it is about those around you, and it's about other things, and that's great. But all of these things, I want you to really understand that, that it's for you personally. It's not a corporate thing or an overall sort of blanket. These things that we talk about in the scriptures are for you personally. And so that's why I like to do that. He's had begun a good work in me. He's going to bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So let me tell you something. Regardless of how you may feel this morning, regardless of what you might be going through, I want to tell you this. And I can say this with absolute certainty. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you and not behind you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. That's what makes serving God so exciting to me. I feel like every day He has something new for me. Every day there's, there's new truth that I can learn from what God's wanting to say to me. That's exciting. That's not something that can... Some people, have you ever had somebody say, well, being an old Christian, they're boring. Or, well, I don't want to go to church. They're a bunch of boring people. Why? Because we don't go to a bar and get drunk? Why? Because we don't go out and do things in the world? Let me tell you something to just dispel that myth. Being a Christian is the most exciting walk of life that you can have. Exciting! Things that you can learn every day and grow every day in Him. I believe that we have not, and I say we, not just I, but it's I for sure, have not scratched the surface of what God wants to reveal to us through His Word, through His fellowship, through His people. Do you believe that? I don't care if you're Billy Graham or Billy Register. Whoever you are anywhere in between, or maybe you just come to the Lord today. Every day is an opportunity for you to scratch more beneath that surface. That's Pastor Bill, that's Sister Carolyn. It doesn't matter how senior of a, of a saint that you've been and how 
deep and, 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 and wonderful your relationship and walk is with the Lord, every day is the opportunity to continue to scratch that surface. And I just don't believe that any of us have even scratched the surface of what God wants to do in our lives and the things that he can do for us. And so when you become a child of God, you become what we used to call in the manufacturing business a whip. Does anybody know what whip is? Well, I'm going to tell you. Apparently nobody, because that was like silent. <laughs> I was a manager of a, of a company that had a very large manufacturing operation, and they manufactured broadcast television equipment that was sold into television stations and production facilities. And at the time, I was in California, and we had a manufacturing facility in, uh, in, in Germany and a manufacturing facility in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so as a result of being in, in L.A., I was in Salt Lake City quite often and watching this manufacturing process. And so we were there talking about it, and, a, and a, a customer of our company had ordered something, and they wanted to know when it was delivered. And I said, well, look, I'm going to the factory. I'll ask them. So I asked the guy who was the uh, production manager, and I, he sa I said, uh, when do you think uh, um, K uh, KTLA's cameras are going to be ready? And he says, well, they're whip. And I said, Okay, and I walked over to the guy next to me, did not look like a complete idiot, and I said, <laughs> work in progress. Work in progress, and that's a term that they use. And, and I said, well, okay, so it's a work in progress. That's great. When's the work going to be done <laughs> so we can deliver the product? That's what they want to know. He says, well, we're getting a delay because of this, and somebody was out sick, and the other people that were supposed to ship us the parts were waiting on those. So what I learned was is that every step of the way in a whip in manufacturing, each step of the way, if you don't have the right things happening, and if you're not doing the right things, you delay the completion of the product. You have to have everybody doing their part, doing their part, delivering on what they're supposed to do in order to get to the point where you want to try to get to, in that case, completion of a, of a, of a television product. You want to get to that point as soon as possible. And so we are, as children of God, whips. We're work in progress, right? Do you believe that? I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. So you might say, somebody says, and have said to me before, Billy, you don't know what's going on with me. You just don't know. Oh, everything's going well for you. You don't know. And I said, well, obviously, you don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> if you think that, it doesn't matter. I don't need to know what's going on with you. It's not that I'm not interested. It's not that I don't care. Make sure you understand that distinction. It's not because I don't love you, and I'd be happy to know the things that you're willing to share about what's going on with you. But let me tell you why. I don't need to know. Because God knows. He knows every circumstance that we're in. He knows what stage of the work in progress where we fall in that place right now. He knows, and I also know this. This is something I do know. That no matter what that situation is, no matter what that circumstance might be, God is bigger than that circumstance. He's bigger than that. There is nothing too big for him. There is nothing impossible for him. And that is truth. That is an absolute fact. And sometimes, and many times, and I'm sure you've heard preachers say this or people say this before, 
that we want to reduce God to the size of our problem. How many have ever done that in their life? I've done it more than once. I'm going to raise both hands. We've done it because that's human nature, because we think it's so insurmountable. But God is bigger. He is supreme. Say that with me. God is supreme. He is over it all. And he has control of it all, and he's bigger than any circumstance. So no, it's not that I'm not interested. It's that I don't need to know when people ask me or say things like that, because I know God's bigger than that circumstance. There are not enough demons in hell and power of the enemy and all his minions and all his nasty, dirty tricks that he wants to play, not enough at all to thwart the purpose and the plan of God being fulfilled not only in our lives but in this world. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who our congressmen are. It doesn't matter who the senators are. All of that doesn't matter. I'm not saying don't be involved in it. I'm not saying be unaware of it. What I am saying is, is that God is in control of it all. He has the answers, and they don't, obviously. Look at what they're doing. Good grief. They're a bunch of buffoons, man. I mean, I hate to say that, but honestly, have you ever seen a more of a group of incompetent people who are supposed to be the elite? I, I, I'm asking you a serious question. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. They're all that way. Let me tell you something. God's not incompetent. He's the most competent thing in our lives. He's the most thing, He's the biggest thing we can rely on. That song that we just sang a minute ago, No Power of Hell or Schemes of Man. There are men that scheme against us too, right? Oh, there are people that will talk about us behind our back. There will be people that will say negative things. There will be people that will gossip. There will be people that will do things that aren't really the way that the Lord intended us to act. We've all been guilty of that. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, but it doesn't matter. No power of hell nor schemes of man can stand up to God Almighty. What he's got for you in your future is better than what is in the past. Your tomorrow is looking better. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. Look, I talked to a guy the other day who I love and care about. He I don't they live in this area anymore. And he had asked me for help a couple of times, and I've tried to help him. And I talked to him the other day, and I prayed with him. And I, I just said, you know, I'm not saying you're doing this. But I am going to tell you this just in case because I want you to know that if you're not exercising and, and implementing the spiritual disciplines that you know, because you've had an experience with the Lord. I feel like now I can't, I don't know, I'm not re- but I, I don't feel like he's you know, living the way he needs to live. He's not where he needs to be. But he knows what it is to be there, right? And if you're not doing that, you can't expect God to do all the things he wants to do in your life if you're not doing your part. I'm not saying he can't do it. God does things and has done things miraculously all around us, demonstrating sovereign, miraculous, supernatural power. He can do that in a minute. But most of the time, God works in the lives of people, and he orders steps, and he opens doors, and he closes other ones, and he leads us and directs us and influences the affairs of men for the people who are seeking him and working every day to get closer to him. Do you believe that? That's true. And so we need to do that. We need to do that. I've always said this. If you want God to show up and meet your needs, you better show up on your knees. I'm going to say that one more time. If you want God to show up and meet your needs, you better show up on your knees. 
And I don't mean that literally. Sometimes it might be literal, where you are on your knees. I don't even mean just prayer. I mean spiritual discipline, Christian disciplines. I mean reading the Word. I mean praying. I mean fellowshipping with believers. I mean getting and going to a Bible study. Yeah, it's inconvenient. Oh, i got a lot of stuff going on in my life. Spend time with Him. If you want Him to show up and meet your needs, show up for Him. Amen? I think that's fair, don't you? I think it should be a one-way street. It can't be. Romans 8, 37, 39 says this. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We'll come back to that. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now remember, how many believe that we are more than conquerors? Okay, do you believe that? We are more than conquerors. But we are more than conquerors. What's the next two words? Say it with me. We are more than conquerors. We aren't more than conquerors, are we? Is Billy Register more than conqueror? Is Dave Rebar more than conqueror? Is Patsy Prince? Are any of us here on our own more than conquerors? No. In fact, we're probably, we're going to probably get our rear ends kicked all the way down the street. We're going to get our teeth kicked in, and that's just the reality of it, folks. But the good thing is, is this is what the promise is. We are more than conquerors through Him. Now, what does that mean? We need to be in Him, living for Him, seeking Him, desiring Him, going and connecting ourselves to the vine. We're the branches. He's the vine that's going to produce fruit on these branches. We want to be more connected to Him. As we do that, that's through Him. Yes, at that point, then we're more than conquerors. Nothing that the devil can throw at us. None of these circumstances, none of these issues are going to be anything that's going to be able to thwart the purpose and the plan of God. That's true. We are more than conquerors through him. And then it goes on to say, the writer says, all of these other things, and I mean, I'm not going to read it again, but it all comes back. If all of those other things that he said in verse 38 and 39 weren't good enough for to explain it to you, he was probably like, he's got, i got to write this for Billy. Because I know he's a little bit dull around the edges. <laughs> so I'm going to just add a little bit something to him that says this. In case you didn't understand the rest of it, nor anything else in all creation. Now, creation, as we think of it, is our world. We generally think of the earth, maybe our solar system, okay, the universe. How many people really studied that? Not many. But there are people who are scientists and astronomers, most of them not Christians, many of them atheists that have readily acknowledged that only through the power of the telescopes that they have and how far they can see, which they estimate how many light years and what have you that that might be, they can't see beyond that. They have no way to estimate the vastness of the universe. They can't count how many stars that they can see. Basically, they have to estimate them. <laughs> they have to estimate them. The ones they can't see, they, but they all agree. Everybody does agree. If you can believe that you get a bunch of scientists to agree on anything, they agree that there is far more out there than anything we've ever seen. Think about that just for a moment. With all the technology and everything that we have, that's the vastness of what he said here. Anything else in all creation. So when God said, 
let there be light. He didn't just talk about it right here. It was, you know, and I'm not saying that I know exactly how everything happened. I'm just saying that he spoke it into existence. I know that. And he says, stars, and there they were, the ones that we still can't see. The vastness of that creation, I'm trying to just give you a little taste of that, to just let that sink in a little bit, because no matter what, anything else in all creation can separate you from the love of God. That huge creation out there that we can't even estimate, it can't separate you from how much I love you. Guess who can do that? The only person that can do that is you. And I don't mean you separate, but I mean you can you can delay the work in progress. We can. Or we can accelerate it. So remember that we are more than conquerors in all this stuff, but we've got to do our part in being through him. Does that make sense? We're getting that? Okay. So nothing can get between us and the love of God, no matter what we may come against, as that song, The Great I Am, said. Any power in hell, nothing can stand against the power of the great I Am. God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the love that He had for us, has made us more than conquerors through Him against any circumstance. So I can tell you this. No matter what you feel at any given time, God has not brought you this far in your life to let the devil throw you under the bus. He has not brought us this far to let the enemy throw us under the bus that's now or ever. Always know that. He's got too much invested in us, God does. He takes great pleasure in us, in fact. I'm going to tell you about it in just a moment. He knows better than anyone. God does, that this life that you're living right now, that the best is yet to come, and what's behind you doesn't matter. The be- that's right. I'm not, don't, that's not, I'm, I'm saying applause, that's great, not for me, but because of that truth. That's true. He knows, God knows the best days are in front of you. Do we know it? Are you ready? Are you ready for the best days to be ahead of you? He's ready. He's already decided it. He has that plan in place. Psalm 139.16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now think about that. See, God is already there. He sees us. is the completed work in progress. He's just trying to help us and provide things to us if we will do what we need to do to get there, to continue that work that he wants to do in our lives. So look, this devil, this accuser, this liar, cheater, he doesn't have the last word in what you have in your life. Amen? He doesn't have the last word. Guess who does? God Almighty, He has the final word. He has the final word of what is said in this earth. And again, I've said it before this morning. His purposes and His plans in this world will be fulfilled because of His word. Because He has said it, and what He has said 
he will finish it. Somebody praise God for the Word of God. Amen. This is good stuff if we will just live by it. I'm not saying that everybody here isn't. I'm saying this is for me. I'm going to go back and listen to this and say, hey, preacher, preach. Yeah, man. That was good. Wait a minute. That was me talking. You know, because it is. This is something that everybody, it doesn't matter who we are and what we've done and where we are in our spiritual walk. Our best days are still ahead of us. Our best days are still ahead of us. That's his word. Revelation 4.11 says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That's the next verse that we have there, Revelation 4.11. Can we get that one up? I think I have it. Well, this is what it says. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Think about that just for a second. That's King James Version. I like that. Most of the time I read ESV or NLT or then look at Amplified and, and try to read some other things along the way, some paraphrases and commentaries and things. But, but honestly, sometimes the King James Version, there's some really, you know, there's a lot of people say you should only read that. I'm not one of them. So don't, you can, if you are one of those, you can talk to me after church. But King James says that for thy pleasure. Think about that. We were created for God's pleasure. Do you know this? And again, personalize this. Do you know that he takes pleasure in you? It doesn't matter what you've done or how you've messed up and all of that kind of stuff. He does not, that's, not, that's not the way he operates. He takes pleasure in us, his children. Of course, he wants what's best for us. He wants to lay out the path for us to go. Do you think it's him that's directing us off the path that we need to go when we get off path? Do you think it's God doing that anytime? Does anybody? I don't. I don't believe that at all. I believe that we are the ones that need to be getting more tuned up to do what he's asking us to do, very clearly instructed, and allow him to do all the marvelous things that he wants to do. He wants good things for us. He takes pleasure. We were created for his pleasure, this says. So if you think about that, why would he want anything that's not positive to happen to us, right? He wants only good things. It's like, I'm going to just want to talk about this, but do you remember the story of Joseph? Here's Joseph. Has anybody ever been, if you know the story of Joseph, for those of you that don't, I'll tell you very quickly the, the highlight of it. Joseph was, first of all, they wanted to kill him. And then somebody talked him out, they talked him out of it. But then they threw him in a pit without food or water. And then they sold him into slavery. How many think that sounds like a good deal? Okay, now, on top of all of that, if that's not bad enough, that would be like the worst thing I can imagine that would happen to me right now. If I was sold into slavery and I was some slave right now in some other country. It happens too, by the way, and I don't mean to make light of it. Human trafficking is a real problem in this world. People are being sold into slavery today. In this city of Jacksonville, in this area, the greater Jacksonville area happens. It busted some ring not that long ago. So, I mean, I don't, I'm, so I'm not trivializing. I'm just saying that that's, that's pretty bad. I don't know that 
I could think of a fate worse for myself or my children to be sold into slavery. But now on top of that, my brothers did it. My own flesh and blood, my brothers did that to me. That would make me depressed. <laughs> I don't know about you. I would feel at the depth of despair and just in, I just don't, I can't even uh, at all relate to what Joseph felt like. But here's what I do know. That in spite of him being at probably the worst place that any of us have ever experienced in our lives, that anything that we've ever experienced being any worse than that, despite the fact that he was in there, God took him from the pit to the palace. He took him from the pit to the palace and raised him up because God did it, nothing else did it, God did it to a place of influence, significance, status, and power, second only to Pharaoh. Now, was Joseph qualified? Well, that, you know, Joseph, he was a really sharp guy. He was interpreting dreams. He was doing that. that. He didn't have any qualifications. He didn't have any pedigree. He didn't have any special stuff going for him. He was a slave. He was in a hole. And God, through his favor, Resting on Joseph raised him up to that place. That's the thing. Joseph's best days were always ahead of him. And what had happened to him was in the past. The things that he had done, his brothers had done, it didn't matter. When you talk about the favor of God, that's the favor of God. What happened to Joseph? From the pit to the palace. You see, he can do that for you. It's not the same. I'm not saying that it's an it's absolute, uh, you know, analogy or analogous, you know, one-to-one there. But whatever the circumstances are, God's favor can turn that around 180 degrees and put you in that place. See, I mean, if you, if not, sometimes I tell people this, or I'll be sharing the, 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 the Lord with them or just talking about things the Lord, and they'll tell me, you know, well, that's not going to happen to me. And I'm like, well, why do you say that? <laughs> How do you know that? So then I tell my testimony. Now, I can't say I have a testimony like Joseph. Thank goodness, I guess, in one sense. But I have a testimony. And God has raised me up from a depth of despair into a place of walking in my life with him where I have joy now. Where I had nothing but, I had nothing but no hope. I had no hope, and I medicated with alcohol and drugs and things that the enemy was trying to kill me and destroy me with. And God took me from that place and put me in a place with a wonderful family and a wonderful marriage and a wonderful opportunity and great joy into my life. Not because of material things, but because his favor rested on me. And I didn't deserve it, and I don't deserve it today. But neither necessarily to Joseph, because it doesn't matter. God takes pleasure in me. He takes pleasure in you as his children. And he wants good things for you. And he'll do it for you. I talked to this person I was speaking of, and I said, look, here it is. And then he just he just didn't want to, he didn't want to accept it, you know. He didn't want to get And I found this out of the, you've heard the old adage, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I feel like we can lead people and talk to people and encourage them and even tell them, look, this is not just
just some Bible story. This happened to me. I can tell you my story. This is what God did for me. But yet, they don't want to drink the water. That living water that I know can raise somebody up because of just simply the favor of God being on their life because they're trying because they're working, because they're trying to serve Him, they're trying to live for Him, they're, they're working in spiritual disciplines every day in their life. And God honors that, and He bestows favor on that. It doesn't mean that it's without problems. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it is something that God can take care of, and you don't have to worry or be in fear. You've got to be willing you have to be, I have to be willing to allow God the opportunity to work in your life if you want to see His favor. If you're not going to do that, He doesn't have the opportunity. And again, I'm not saying He can't do anything He wants. When He wants, He can. But that's just not generally how God works. Especially for those who know what they need to be doing. Amen? Psalm 34, 19 says, As many are the afflictions of the righteous. Some of us could testify to that. Yeah, we've all had afflictions. What do you want to call it? Challenges, difficulties, trials, tribulations, storm, problems. We've all had that, and we'll probably face some more. But here's the good news. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Not some of, all. Every single one. That's what all means. He delivers us out of them all. So Joseph could have done that. He could have just walked and just said, man, I just, you know, wallowed in the disappointment of his life. Every one of us can do that. That's a choice we can make. But guess what? This is the thing. How many have had disappointments in their life? Raise your hand. I'm just trying to make sure. You, I want to make sure you're awake. And if you're about to fall asleep, I'm going to do that, and that helps you wake up. <laughs> How many have had disappointments in their life? Okay. Right. Do you know this? That God can turn disappointments in your life into divine appointments in your life. He can do it. He turns it into a, dis a disappointment, into a divine appointment. And here's the good thing about that. Disappointments that we either will have or have had in our lives are temporary. They are temporary. Disappointments are temporary. God's divine appointments, they last forever. Until he decides to appoint you somewhere else. But his appointments are lifelong. Disappointments fade away. You get that? You understand that? Is that helping you at all? It makes sense. Because it really helped me to think about all the disappointments in my life most of them self-induced. I know that he can put me into and is putting me into a divine appointment that will stand forever until he decides otherwise. I don't have to worry about the disappointments. Nothing is too hard for him. Are you ready? Are you ready for what God wants to do for you? Are you willing? Okay, we've, well, we've talked about this before. We know this verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know, read this with me. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good.
for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, some people have said sometimes, well, I'm not called. I, you know, I feel like I have a call on my life for ministry. That's not what that's really talking about. It could be, but that's part of it. But that's not what, you don't have to be called into ministry to, to be in that. What it is, is that means are you working in, are you in that whip? Are you in that mode of being a work in progress and trying to work through all the things to continue to, to again, implement spiritual and Christian disciplines into your life every day? Are you doing that because if you are, you love God? The Word says, actually, you can't love God if you're not doing that. Do you know that? You might say, you know, oh, yeah, well, I love God, but I just don't know why He's not doing anything for me. Well, do you pray every day? No. Do you read the Word every day? No. Do you go to church? Well, then, every once in a while. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm telling you like it is. <laughs> I'm just, I, this is the way it is. This, these are the things that we need to do. That's why, if we love God, we're going to do that. We're going to work, and then what He's doing is He's working like, I always think about like a funnel. He's gathering things in a funnel, and he's directing it into the places in our life where it needs to be for those who are called according to the purpose that he has for our life, for our nation, for our church, for his purposes in the kingdom and in the great commission and the great commandments, all of those things. He is working things for good in our lives. That's happening. How many have heard this song? Now, if you do, I'm not going to criticize you. Old song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Everybody heard that? All right, I want everybody now to join us afterwards for prayer so you can get out of that secular music. <laughs> I always thought that could have been a great Christian song. It probably still could be if somebody tweaked the lyrics around a little bit. Remember that? I'm not going to sing it for you because I know you don't want to hear that. Oh, no, okay, I will. Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Ain't no battle, no. Ain't no river wide, no, to keep me from you. Okay, that's it. That and and and, and actually, there there won't be there won't be any extra charge for that. Thank goodness. I actually probably should pay you guys for having to listen to that. But but the thing is, is that, that there ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley deep enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep us from God. He's assured us of that. He's assured us of that. And the good news about that is, is that as, as believers, if we do what we need to be doing, we're going to get closer to Him. The Word says, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you, right? He's waiting. I've always said it like this. I've explained it to people, and I know this is my simple way of looking at it, but I just feel like when that means to me, like, if I take a step towards you, if God's here, he then takes a step towards me. That, that speeds up the pace, and it's how close I get to him. I'm drawing closer to him. Then here he is. He's taking a step towards me. He's going to draw a little closer to me. That's what we do. That's part of the, the discipline of it all. So look, only we can, 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 can let the mountains, the valleys, the rivers, the problems, the obstacles, the difficulties... Get between us and God. Okay? There, but otherwise, there ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley deep enough, and ain't no river wide enough <laughs> to keep us from Him. Because His love is something that, as we said before, remember, we can't be separated from. We can't be separated from His love. So only we can be the ones that sort of make that difficult. 
So look, when Satan sees you, I want you to know this too. When he sees you, he sees you as a child of God if you're a believer. And he hates that. He hates that because he sees what God can do in your life. He sees that your best days are in front of you. So what does he want to do? What does the enemy want to do? Remind you of your past. Anybody ever had him do that? He wants to make you feel guilty. He wants you to have shame. He wants you to be dwelling on the past. Oh, what if I would have just done this? Oh, look at all the years I wasted. Oh, if I could have just done better there. Oh, I just can't believe that I did that. Man, just, there's just no reason to get, keep, keep going forward. There's no reason to do anything because of my past. That's the enemy lying to you. Your best days are in front of you. God has things for you in your future. You see, God doesn't talk about your past. How many times have you ever seen that? Point that out to me. Where God's going to say, well, I just want to just sit here and discuss with you about all those things you've done. Nope. He says this. Far as the east is from the west. There is a thing that has always been amazing to me. The sea of forgetfulness. Think about that. That tells me right there, those two things, that's all I need to know. He is not interested in my past. He is interested in my future. My best days are ahead of me. Are you ready? Are you ready for the best days that God has for you in the future? That's the question today. Are you ready? God has much, much more in store for you in your future than any of the mistakes or guilt and shame and problems or things that you've done in the past. Your future is the only thing that concerns God, and he knows how good it looks. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Because you're not interested in my past. You're interested in giving me a hope and a future. Wow, that's good stuff. Not Billy. That's good stuff. He tells us this. He tells us this. Don't build your future around your past. Focus on tomorrow, everybody. Let's look ahead, not behind. Even the Apostle Paul said that. Forgetting things that are behind. He wasn't worried about that either. Forget that. Press on. Press on to the high calling. The future's where it's at, not the past. Everything you're going through right now, no matter what it is, your struggles, health problems, financial problems, issues, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, everything, the enemy is going to try to use that to keep you dwelling on those things instead of what God has in your future. He wants you to focus on your circumstances. And what I'm here to do today is, is to hopefully share with you what I believe the Lord's impressed on my heart, and that is this, that it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Stop looking at your circumstances and start looking at the one who can change your circumstances. The one that can change your circumstances is Almighty God, supreme over all, all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent. He's here right now. He hears every word that I'm saying and every thought that you're thinking. He's here, and He is ready to do something. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the blessings that God has in store for you? Are you ready for the future, or do you want to worry about the past? Don't look at your circumstances. Look at the one who can change them. Look at the one who can change them. And it's like that song said before a little earlier, if God's for you, it doesn't matter the schemes of man 
or the attacks of the enemy, they're fighting a losing battle. You think about all these people are talking about me. If I spent all my time worrying about all the people that talk about me behind my back, I'd be, I'd be consumed with that all day long. I'm going to tell you something. This might sound a little bit crass. I don't care. I don't care. I'm not saying that's always easy, but I don't care. And you know why? Because I'm not focused on my circumstances, even if what they're saying isn't true. And I could go defend myself, and I could have it. I'm not saying there might be a time where you might need to do that. Maybe. But honestly, I don't care because I know this, that he is greater in me than he that is in the world. And I know that through him, I am more than a conqueror. And here's the next thing I know, Romans 8, 31. So what then shall we say to all these things they outline in the Super 8, Chapter 8, wonderful Chapter 8 of Romans? Romans. What then shall we say to these things? Here's what. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's why I don't care, because I'm more than a conqueror. Through him, I know that no attack of the schemes of man or the attack of the devil can come against me, because I'm a child of God, and he loves me, and he's protecting me, and he's ordering my steps, and all I've got to do is continue to try to be that work in progress. You, today, are a work in progress. No matter how far along you are with the Lord, you're a work in progress. And when people see you, they may not see that finished work, but God does. God sees you finished. And he wants to continue to bring you to the place of completion in all the things he wants to do for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for that? Isn't it time for us people that we start seeing ourselves the way God sees us? Do you know how he sees us? He sees us clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees us like that. We see ourselves as these old, failed, dirty, nasty. I mean, I'm not saying everything. I'm just saying sometimes this is what we do. We dwell on that. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, boy, I messed up today. Oh, God, I let him down today. Or just whatever it is. That's not how he sees us. He doesn't see us that way. So my point in all of this that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart is to just remember this. Your future is brighter and better and full of wonderful things, and your past is behind you. Amen? And don't focus on your circumstance. Focus on the one that can change your circumstances. And let's move together in a place where God can release the favor just like he did for Joseph, the favor and blessings that he wants to do, make sure we're doing our part. Make sure we're doing what he wants us to do. And if we do, God's word is true, and it is tried and proven over time that we're going to be going, not literally, but similarly, to what happened to Joseph, from the pit to the palace. That's in our future. We allow him to work in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.